So as Allison said a moment ago, uh, we are wrapping up a series on forgiveness, and like her, I too am a little disappointed that it is coming to an end, in part because I feel like I'm just getting started. Feels like we're just taking off. It's been fruitful, and I've heard from a number of you uh, of some of the ways and situations in which you need and want to forgive. But one of the phrases that keeps coming to me and say, I know that I need to forgive this person, to let go of that situation, but I don't know how. I don't know how. When are you going to get to the point in the sermon series when you tell us how to do that? Well, I'm hoping today I will get to that a little bit, at least give you the first step. In the text before us this morning, Jesus is on the cross. And where we pick up the story, he has been beaten, he's been betrayed, he's been sold out by one of his closest friends, he's been mocked, he's been spit upon, and now he's been left to die. He is in agony. He is near death. But I want you to pay attention to what in that moment is on his mind. Pay attention to the state of his heart in the midst of that horrific situation. Because in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his wounds, I want you to notice what he is most interested in in that moment. The scripture for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 26 through 34. Here begins the reading. As they led him away... They seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, when we are wronged, when someone hurts us, when somebody betrays us, It's as if in that moment, somebody hands us something. This burden, they just hand it to us. It's a wound. It's an injustice. 
And we're just left holding it. And oftentimes our first immediate reaction is is to look around for some sort of affirmation, validation that 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 just happened. Did you you see what just happened? They, They just wounded, they just gave me this thing. Is this, did I miss this or is that right? We look for that affirmation. And when we tell that story, they tell us, yeah, that's what you think it is. Our natural instinct in that moment when somebody hands us this, it creates this tension, this, this wondering, of what, what do I do with it now? What do I do with this burden, with this wound, with this injustice? And the truth is, is that we have several different options. The first, the easiest, I suppose, is just to simply hand it back. And to say, you know what, I don't want this, it's too painful to carry, so I'm just going to give it back to you. We call that Revenge. It's saying, you know what, what you've done has hurt me, and so now I'm going to hurt you in return. Some of you are old enough to remember that old video game, Pong. How many people remember Pong? Yes, lots of you. It was video games before video games were cool, and it was basic, and just, it went back and forth, didn't it? Boom, 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 back and forth. That's what revenge looks like. It keeps going back and forth. And sometimes, sometimes that revenge is active, right? We, we do what we can to hurt that person. And sometimes, sometimes that, that pong is passive. It's, I'm just going to be silent. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. I'm going to treat you like you don't exist. I'm going to create space so that somebody else can hurt you. It's what I like to refer to as relational pong. And there's all sorts of different versions of Pong. There's office Pong. There's marriage Pong. There's family reunion Pong. (laughs) There's neighborhood Pong. We just keep handing it back and forth. The second thing that we can do with it is we can hand it to somebody else. I can't go after the person that gave this to me, and so I'm going to give it to somebody else. Maybe that person is my boss, and if I were to give it back to them, that might have some sort of an effect on the duration and the amount of my paycheck. So instead, I'm going to give it to somebody else. And unfortunately, the person or the people that we often hand that to is our family, those that are closest to us, our spouse, our children, the cat. We hand it to somebody else. We've been hurt. We have this thing, and so we're just going to take it out on somebody else. Psychologists refer to this as repression, and it's just in there, and and it oftentimes bubbles out in some sort of anger that is oftentimes disproportionate to the offense. Let me give you an example of that. Have you ever been stuck in traffic? And yes, traffic is horrific. It's bad, especially if you're trying to get somebody. But have you ever been more angry than the traffic deserves. You find yourself just irate about how slow everybody is driving, and you come to realize in that moment that that's not really about the traffic. It's about something else that has happened. Maybe it was long ago. My staff will tell you that the thing that I say more than anything else is the issue is not the issue. 
that oftentimes there is some wound that is back there that keeps coming out at these random, these irrational times. Someone has wounded us. We haven't forgiven them, so we take our pain out on somebody else. We hand it around. The third option, I suppose, is that we just sort of carry it. This burden that has been given to us, it becomes eternalized. I guess this thing that happened to me it just must be some sort of statement on my own worthiness, my own value, my own validity. Maybe you've been through a divorce, and so there's a part of you that deep inside thinks, you know what, maybe I don't deserve love. Maybe I'm beyond hope. Maybe I'm destined for a life of loneliness. We just carry that. That deep wound that's never been forgiven, so it's just carried around. The problem, though, is that it makes for a very limp, arduous journey. and We get exhausted trying to carry this around. Tim Keller was a Presbyterian pastor in New York. He died not too long ago. He wrote a book called Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I? And he says in that book, there is another option, however. Another option between handing it back, handing it around, and simply carrying it. You can forgive. Forgiveness means refusing to make them pay for what they did. However, to refrain from lashing out at somebody when you desperately want to brings with it its own source of agony. It's a form of suffering. And I would, I would say here that, that part of that is because that revenge, that pong, it would feel so much better in that moment. But to forgive causes its own form of suffering. But, but many would say that that death that it causes, that suffering, that wound, leads to resurrection instead of the lifelong living death of bitterness and cynicism. You see, refusing to forgive causes us to die slowly, sometimes over the course of an entire lifetime where we carry this bitterness, this cynicism, or we can choose to forgive. And it may feel like a death. It may bring with it its own source of agony, its own form of suffering. But the difference is, is that that death will lead to resurrection in the same way that Jesus' death led to resurrection, that too will lead to a new way of living. If you choose to absorb it, it will feel like a death, but it will be transformed because that death, that Jesus sort of death, will lead to resurrection. That's why if you've ever meet, when you, whenever you meet someone who's been abused, who's been betrayed, who, 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 who has been given this horrific wound, this injustice, but yet lives and walks through the world with a sense of vitality, with a life. Nelson Mandela, for instance, when he was released from prison after 27 years, and he called on South Africans, black South Africans, to demonstrate love instead of hate, mercy instead of anger. He modeled that own mercy in his life in powerful ways. And in that moment, an entire world said, wow, we're witnessing a miracle. You see, when you see someone who is forgiving, it moves you and it stirs in you and you realize that that person is no longer who they once were, that they've gone through that death and yet that death has led to resurrection. 
It's what theologians oftentimes refer to as the Christ pattern. The Christ pattern, it's a death that leads to resurrection. And the truth is is that it's one thing to believe the right things, to know all the words to the hymns that we sing, to intellectually ascend to the truth of the gospel. It's one thing to know it, to affirm it. But it's an entire new thing to live it, to carry that with you, that Christ pattern of death and resurrection. It's one thing to believe it, to know it in your heart, to live it out, is to enter into that Christ pattern of death that leads to resurrection. Parker Palmer, one of my favorite authors, once said in The Power of Paradox, the cross says the pain stops here. The cross says the pain stops here, that the way of the cross is a way of absorbing pain and not passing it on in a way that transforms pains from a disruptive impulse into a creative power. That destructive impulse says, I'm going to hand it back to you, and you'll find out what it feels like. Or else it says, you know what, I can't give it back, so I'm going to pass it around, I'm going to take it out on other people around me. But that creative power says, I'm going to forgive you. And when I do, I will have experienced God's love, a love that is so divine, and it will transform you, and it will transform me, and I will not be able to see you in the same way ever again, and in the same way, I won't be able to see myself the same way ever again either. That disruptive impulse is pong. But that creative power, that redeeming love is what you see when you see someone who was forgiven and who knows how to forgive. They've glimpsed the divine in ways that others have. They are alive in ways that other people aren't. And they have this ocean of compassion. You see, the cross is this massive, transcendent way of saying the pain stops here. No more revenge, no more pong, no more passing it around. The pain stops here. See, when you and I decide to forgive, we are entering into the Christ pattern. And that is where the pain stops. You know, I should probably not be allowed to watch Ted Lasso on Saturday nights. Because inevitably what happens is I see a scene and I think that's what I'm trying to say tomorrow. And then I get up early on Saturday morning and I rewrite my sermon, which is what I did this morning. Because there was this great scene that Kelly and I saw when Sam, one of the players on the team from Nigeria who owns a restaurant, and he names this restaurant after his father. And at one point in the story, he speaks up against racial injustice. And the response to that speaking out is that his restaurant is vandalized and destroyed. And yet his father, who's visiting in town, in part to see the restaurant for the very first time, he visits and Sam is clearly upset. He wants revenge. He's angry. And his father said, you have to let it go. You have to do it for yourself. And then he says, your anger... Your anger only weakens you. But if you really want to get back at the people who did this, forgive them. Forgive them. The best way to get revenge is to forgive them. My son, he says, don't fight back. 
fight forward. The best way to get the revenge that we so desperately want, to participate in the Christ pattern, is to fight forward and to forgive. Several years ago in New York, there was a group of teenagers that used a stolen credit card to go shopping and and purchased, amongst other things, interestingly enough, a frozen turkey. And that night, as they sped away, one of the boys, one of the teenagers, a young man by the name of Ryan, decided to throw that turkey out of the window in the getaway car into oncoming traffic. And that frozen turkey smashed through the windshield of a woman by the name of Victoria. And it didn't kill her. It came close, but it didn't kill her. She was forced to go undergo 10 hours of reconstructive surgery to, to reconstruct her, her face. She had to live for a number of weeks with a tracheotomy tube. But about a year later, about a year later, she surprised everybody, and she showed up for the sentencing portion of Ryan's trial. And she asked the judge in that moment to be lenient on him. She said, each day I thank God simply because I'm alive. And I sincerely hope that you have also learned from this awful experience, Ryan. And what I've come to discover is that there is no room in my life for vengeance. And in that moment, Ryan began to weep. And when given the opportunity, he expressed remorse for his actions. And in response to that, the judge sentenced him to six months instead of the 25 years that the prosecutors were asking for. And then... Victoria was given the opportunity to speak, and she says, I truly hope that by demonstrating compassion and leniency that I have encouraged you to seek an honorable life, that if my generosity will help you mature into a a responsible, honest man whose graciousness is a source of pride for your loved ones as well as your community, then my suffering will not have been in vain. And then she looked him right in the eye and she said, Ryan, I want you to prove me right. I want you to prove me right. You know, the cross is the central symbol of the Christian faith. And through it, the world has been changed. And it teaches us that God can take the pain and the suffering from our past and when we put it into God's hands, can produce something beautiful and redemptive. That's why people have said that that forgiveness is essentially giving up the hope of a different past. And I would argue that it is also taking on the hope of a joyful future as well. You see, forgiveness, forgiveness is believing that the future can be better than the past. That tomorrow can be better than yesterday. The past can't be changed, but God can do something redemptive with it. So maybe you're here today and there is someone that you need to forgive. You've been given this wound, this injustice, and you don't know what to do with it anymore. And as you think of that person and that pain and you wonder, what do I do with it? I know that I need to forgive this person, but I don't know how. 
I want to invite you to take the first step. And that first step is to simply bring it to God. To lay it in God's hands, to place it on the altar and say, God, please take this pain, take these things from my past, do something good with them. I don't know what to do with them anymore, and so help me let them go. The first step in forgiveness is to give it to God. Not back to the person, not to the people around you, not to carry it with us for the rest of our lives, but to give it to God. Because forgiveness is deciding not to play revenge pong anymore. It's making the conscious decision not to take it out on others, to carry it around, but allowing us instead to give it all to God. And maybe... Maybe the person that you most need to forgive is the person you see when you look in the mirror. And maybe you're having a hard time coming to, coming to terms with the realization that God doesn't love you for how good you are. And in the same way, God doesn't withhold love for how bad you are. That that system of accounting is over. That is a death that you have to let die so that something new can be reborn. Something new can be resurrected in its place. Today, today we start there. Because the pain stops here.